Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Hey! Jamba Jumbo! <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> Habari! I've got, oh, that's all the Swahili that I know. Hello, how are you? So I'm, I'm impressed. Right Thank I'm impressed. You. Very impressed. How are you? How was it? How was the 22 hour flight? Well, in my New Year's goals, yeah. um, I decided that I wasn't going to be always talking about the negatives first. So I'll come to that. The positives were the holiday was the best holiday we've ever had and really, really healing for all of us, really restful. The kids slept, swam, chilled out. Being with my mum was hands down, like, you know, you guys listening know that I've had a really up and down relationship with her. Yeah. Um, but something about her needing me as much as I needed her this time just brought mm. us together. Um, we didn't have any arguments with her partner, which was always really lovely. It's always really very rare because there's always <laughs> something that goes wrong and, and none of it happened. And like me and Doza fell in love again and had this Aww. really sort of romantic time together, which I really needed. It was just it was just perfect. I feel like a different person. I feel like the old me, actually. Oh, or maybe this is a so new nice. me. Maybe it's the new old you. The new old yeah, me. The, old um, the yeah. 22 hours travelling back with the children, however, <laughs> was like a big fuck you and a big, a big smack in the face down to earth. <laughs> Get back to England immediately. Oh, my God. It was oh, hard. What did you do? Were they okay? Oh, when I read that, I was like, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> I did say to them we could travel anywhere in the world now. Like we could have gone to Australia in that you time. Could. Yeah, exactly. That is a great way to look at it. Yeah. You, you can take on anything now. You've done exactly. it. Exactly. And it wasn't that bad. You all lived. I'm going to do a tips for traveling with little ones. We're going to do it a, a, a real and, and you guys need to save it down because there was definitely things that we didn't do that I was like, Jesus, we should have done. And then there were the essentials, which we couldn't have got through the journey without. So I'll, yeah. do, I'll do that. But mainly fully charged iPads with chargers. <laughs> Top tip. I mean, that is, exactly. that is, if you don't remember anything else, <laughs> just remember that. How are you? How was your weekend? I'm all right. I'm good. Um, oh, gosh. On Friday, Gigi had her preschool jabs oh god right I kind of didn't remember you know I don't think I took yeah. Axel I think James must have taken Axel because I definitely didn't and I like all the jabs when they're a baby yeah you feel bad but they can't you know they're a tiny baby and they can't tell you that they hate you because you yeah. made them go through it or anything yeah, yeah, like yeah. that so we go into the room, meet Axel and Gigi and I've done all the things like I've got them you know got her sweets to sit and eat while she's having them done basically 
she screamed the place down. Like when we came out of the came out, like people in the waiting room were like, white as a sheet, like fucking hell, what is going on in there? <laughs> oh no. Ax- Axel nearly passed out because oh, no. he of the needle and he went white as a sheet and he had a chocolate bar in his hand and it was completely melted everywhere. <laughs> no. Then we I took her to Sainsbury's after and I'd ordered something from Argos, like as like a sort of to preempt her being brave or whatever. I'll we'll get a treat when when you know you're finished she walked around holding her arms screaming saying I've got two broken arms I've got <gasps> two broken arms help me oh my god and I everyone there like, must have thought yeah, what has this mother been doing oh to her children oh my god what the hell yeah. anyway James has taken Axel to football I've had Gigi screaming the whole time I can't and I was literally feeding her pick a mix because she couldn't she couldn't use her arms anymore um, I'm going to throw it out here. Gigi, hands down, a bigger diva than Mariah Carey. No, 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 you wait. Axel is the biggest one. He finishes football, right? And James, James phones me like, oh, we're just on our way back from football. Can you put the dinner on? Axel suddenly screams out in pain. So James is driving. He's like, oh my God, what? And he went, I feel like I'm having an injection. Oh, God. So James is like, what the fuck is going on? He was screaming solidly for about 40 minutes. They're just looking at each other like, what has happened here? We've got one child who thinks she's got two broken arms and yeah. we've got another child who thinks he's having an injection, but he's not. I'm just going to throw something out, another thing out here. Okay, Go, <laughs> going going to Kenya, right, and having and having time with... Ch- and, I'm, and this is this is a blanket kind of like um, generalization, but I'm looking at my own children for this. Yeah, the, the, the kids that are sort of maybe in the international kids and the Kenyan kids, they're so much more resilient. They were so much more resilient than my own children, and I'm wondering whether it's because we over pander to them so much. You know, we constantly giving yeah. them what they want all the time. You know, they bump themselves. I'm rushing over. Oh, what's happened? Here's a plaster. And I just I saw the difference. Like hanging out with kids over there, one of them like fell off the back of this um we've got this like outdoor tiny uh, dining table and one of my like my friend's kids fell off backwards smacked his head on like the concrete floor barely barely cried he was just like mm. no nah, it's all right and I was like there's actually blood like are you going to be all right and he was like no, no, no it's fine and I just I don't know whether it's because we just do too much for them maybe yeah, I'm throwing yeah it out maybe there. maybe I mean Axel when he actually gets hurt is usually really good and brave but obviously, he's just completely traumatized by needles. <laughs> like you know, they give her you give give a bravery certificate after. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. don't show me that. I need to tell you what happened to Kit when we were in Kenya. Uh, yeah, because I haven't shared this with anyone yet. So we're down on the beach one day, and Kit has never been that fond of going in the sea. Um, he saw something on kids YouTube once with like a big octopus and he's like I'm not going in there I'm not going in there and I'm like look it's fine we'd finally got into a place his armbands were off he was loving it we were building his sandcastle I was like this is like a, a, a scene from a movie it's all going so well yeah he runs into the sea the waves are like lapping over him he's lying down suddenly high pitched scream ah! and I was like oh my fucking god jellyfish no portuguese man of war on his leg so they get their tentacles right into you as well so this is going on i'm screaming for dozer and i was like he was uh, by this point the jellyfish had fallen off luckily it was a baby one 
And I was like, Dozer, you're going to have to piss on him. Real on him, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I can't. And I was like, you have to. Anyway, so there's Dozer with his little stinky dink out <laughs> taking a wee over Kit. And Kit's going, why is daddy doing a wee on me? And I'm like, I don't know. Because afterwards I Googled it and it's not something that, apparently it's like an old wife's tale. No so anyway, way. Yeah, apparently it's not even a thing now. I mean. Oh my God. When I was in Magaluf, whenever that was, 20 whatever. <laughs> pissed on you? You didn't even get a jellyfish thing. Lifeguard. <laughs> <laughs> the lifeguard. The lifeguard pissed on you. Yes. Oh my fucking god. Oh my god. Oh no. I oh my god, really Georgia. I Did you sleep with him it. afterwards? <laughs> no. <laughs> Funny enough, I was pretty pre- <laughs> disgusted and horrified. <laughs> well, that's the end of that podcast, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. No, <laughs> yeah. let's get into today's chat, George. Let's do it. Let's, let's be do serious. Because actually, this episode was absolutely incredible. Yes. I loved it. I loved yeah. every second of it. Yeah, she's she's really outspoken on social media, actually. And she's definitely one that doesn't, she doesn't beat around the bush. No. Today's guest is direct. She's um, honest. She's raw. She's vulnerable in the best way possible. And um, it definitely delivered having those conversations with her brand new mum. It's, yeah, it's a really good one. Stick around for it. Georgia, who are we chatting to today? We are chatting to Chloe Maidley. Now, I always really love it when we get our mates on the podcast, but this one is a particularly special friend. Uh, our husbands have been mates since they were about 15 years old. The stories and the things that they got up to, Chloe and I don't fucking want to know half <laughs> no. of them. Sadly, we know the other half. Um, yeah. Really, really excited to welcome this amazing woman on the podcast today. New mum, TV. Well, I, I guess like been on our been around parents have been around for a really long time she's been around for a really long time comes from a dynasty of tv presenters uh fitness <laughs> fanatic new mum it's chloe madeley yeah yeah <laughs> you Haskell or chloe madeley still i'm chloe madeley but don't like just don't mention it around james because he's got a real <gasps> bee in his bonnet about it and i'm like no i i, I prefer being a madeley no offense team haskell <laughs> that is that is fair enough how are you chloe how's, how's your morning been well i mean i went for sunday lunch at my parents yesterday and they have so much leftover booze from Christmas I honestly think that they just saw me as like a gateway by which to get rid of it so they were just Mm. filling up my glass filling up my glass and I I reckon we must have been there for about four hours and I genuinely I think we got home at about 5 30 I genuinely do not remember how I got home very very grateful that James was completely sober and had Bodhi because it wouldn't have been (laughs) (laughs) you've got um such a wonderfully brilliant kind of vibrant family and your your parents um, you know, have 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 been kind of really big influences in your life, haven't they? You do a lot mm-hmm. with them. They're mm-hmm. they're they're not just parents. They're really good mates to you guys as well, aren't they? Yeah, we're really lucky. I'm really lucky. I as I've grown older, I've just gotten closer and closer and closer to my parents. Um, and now we live like five minutes down the road. I I can't, and we have done since we moved here in November. I can't remember the last weekend where we didn't go over there for a meal. And it's just, mm. I, poor James, actually, I say that. I think he loves it. Him and my, my parents get on incredibly well. Um, but I just, I feel very lucky that I can say that. I know that not everybody's that lucky. And actually, it hasn't always been like that. Um, no. And it might not always be like that. But it is, we, we've got a very special, very tight-knit family. And we're all completely different, which only goes to, like, kind of enhance the experience. Yeah. Do you think having Bodhi is, like, has made that even stronger? Is, that, like, is the relationship on a, a different scale now? Yeah, completely. I think me and my mum... 
me and my mum growing up, she, it was it was really unfortunate actually. You know, when after I was born, she got really bad postnatal depression, mm-hmm. and it went undiagnosed for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And then when she finally kind of was on a good track to getting that sorted out, um, it turned out that she she needed a hysterectomy and she needed one again for a really long time and didn't know about it. And then when she finally had the hysterectomy, um, she it didn't go very well. The operation didn't go very well. The recovery didn't go very well. And it was just kind of really weirdly and unfortunately for our relationship, kind of event after event after event that really kind of all got in the way of us really bonding. And by the time I was a teenager, my my relationship with my dad was so solidified. And my relationship with my mom was just very murky and just not not really that solid. Um, and as I've gotten older, like I said, we've gotten closer and closer. And then when I got pregnant, oh my God, it was just like, went from zero to a hundred in a day. Um, did it? And since, yeah, it was, it was crazy. We, the bond ca- came thick and fast and very organically. It wasn't kind of forced or anything. And, and by now that Bodhi's born, it just seems to be growing and growing, getting stronger and stronger. And I would say this sounds a bit fickle and, and like, I guess slightly immature to say, but I do think it's true that I'm probably closer to my mom now than I am to my dad, which I, never saw coming like, I genuinely I never, thought, never thought I'd hear you say that Chloe if I'm honest with I you know. because the conversations that we've had you know pr- privately yeah. about it I know that you've struggled with that relationship so that's amazing to hear you say it it's incredible and and she's just become like my absolute favorite but it's just so odd because anyone who, who kind of has had this kind of bond happen later in life with a parent or a family member or whatever um it's just so odd picking up the phone and calling my mom again, a sentence I just never thought I'd say, but I call her like pretty much every other day now about something. And she's just like one of the best people in my life. And I'm just really, really, really grateful for that. Mm. Do you think um, you have more of an understanding about what she went through now that you're a mother yourself? Yes, I do. Although we had very different experiences. Her, she had uh, twins her first go around. Uh, then then after that, she had my brother Jack and then she had me and she got really bad placed into depression. What I think more so than feeling like, oh, I'm experiencing what you're experiencing is um, I see how full of love she is and I see how much her children and her family have meant to her and, and mean to her. Um, and I, and I, I've got a whole new kind of view of that now. Um, and that's been quite eye opening. I didn't, I don't think I realized quite how maternal she was because of, mm. you know, the relationship that we've had until I got pregnant with Bodhi and, and, yeah, that's been fascinating. Mm. Wow! Tell us, tell us about you know getting pregnant with Brady. Obviously, not the de- like the intimate details. <laughs> Please don't tell us those details. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still the morning. I'm not really up for that. <laughs> but did you, you know, did you feel pressure to start a family? It's really interesting. So. My whole um, uh, experience of getting pregnant, and it's very contradictory. And I think a lot of people read about it or would hear different snippets of, of what I say and be like, well, that doesn't make sense because before she was saying that. And it's because it, like everything in life, it is a bit contradictory. It was a bit, um, you know, the, the, it, it's a bit gray. It's not black or white. I, I didn't think I wanted to have kids for a really, really long time. I was really yeah. on the fence about it. Um, I, I love what I do for a living. I'm very busy. I like to travel a lot, you know. As Zoe knows, I'm a bit of a party girl. Like, it just didn't really feel like it was something. It it looked to me having kids. It looked a bit shit. Just to be totally honest, I was like, well, yeah, it, it yeah. is. I was like, it looks it a, bit is shit. a bit shit. So, yeah, I was like, I really want to do that. And then, and then, I guess I kind of uh, i i came off off birth control, and um, 
just weirdly, it was. Just, I think we were away. I think we were we were kind of traveling around Europe for a couple of weeks, um, and we we were away, and and I kind of just didn't really come back on birth control and I didn't really care or think about it because James and I were married and you know even though I didn't really think I wanted kids I also hadn't made like a cold hard decision on it so it's like well we're married and like I'm in my 30s and and you know whatever I just never really just, just didn't really kind of over overthink it and then about a year and a half went by and I swear to god no joke I woke up in like the middle of the night having a complete anxiety attack thinking oh my God, I haven't been on contraception for a year and a half and I haven't gotten pregnant. I'm infertile. Mm. Like, and, and that we came out of nowhere and was quite shocking and scary, as I'm sure a lot of women can relate to when, when you have a thought like that um, with, with some real merit behind it. So I went to the, to the gynecologist that week and, I, and he did kind of all of my kind of hormones and internal examinations and everything. And he was like, no, you're textbook fertile. Like I, I can't really understand why you're, you're not getting pregnant. Um, he was like, it's, it's kind of less statistically likely that it's James. Why don't you actually make a go of it and, and try? And that's when I decided like I have to make a decision and the decision is I want to have children. I don't want... Mm. I kind of said to myself, I think I would regret not doing it more than I'd regret doing it and regretting mm. it, if that makes yes. sense. Yeah, 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 that yeah, makes sense. That does make yeah. sense. So I was like, okay. Um, and then I and then I came home to James and, and we tried, um, you know, when I was ovulating, you know, obviously we recycled it all and I still wasn't getting pregnant. And I went back to my gynecologist a few months later and he was like, I, every day bar when, when you're bleeding do it yeah. <laughs> and within two months I was pregnant and it, it and then it happened and then in my pregnancy I actually kind of regressed in my third trimester I was like oh my god what if I've made the wrong decision and I was like riddled with panic um and then she was born and it was the best day ever <laughs> we we we've ha- we again have talked a lot but one of the the conversations that came up a lot was that is it going to be the right thing for me chat mm-hmm. you know tell me the good bits tell me the bad bits but what can you still do with your life like you wanted to find out everything you were actually a really yeah. good person to chat to you because there isn't a conversation that you cannot have with Chloe like she wants to hear all the details <laughs> you know tell me about the sleep tell me about the birth yeah. tell me about this tell me about that is it going to be a good thing but ultimately I always felt that you guys would be the most incredible parents I think you were seeing you that day when you came around to our house and you sat in the garden with Luna and Kit and I and was Eileen there that day I don't know and suddenly it just clicked and you and Luna were like like oh, that yeah. together in the garden. Luna's still my favorite baby. Well, not, she's not a baby anymore, but she's still my favorite child after Bodhi, including yeah. all my nieces and nephews. <laughs> I love her. Chloe and Luna formed an incredible bond that day and I thought I think maybe you left and thought it was like a decision kind of made made for you I guess in a way like it it was becoming easier to see yourself as a mother and actually maybe for me so much more maternal than I thought you were going to be yeah I know that shocked me too I Mm. I've never been that person that's like I really want kids or I really want dogs or I mean James forced me to get a dog but that's another story um (laughs) I I've just never really been like that and I and I'll be honest I I'm quite selfish and I'm quite self-sufficient I'm like fiercely independent and I just didn't think it it would suit me and I will say that from the second I had an emergency c-section and from the second they picked her up and showed her to me my whole life changed I I, I'm gonna cry I have to I have to control it because it was such a shock I really wasn't expecting it and Mm. I, I it's the best thing that I've ever I've ever done and I'm so happy I did it and she's just everything to me um now don't get me wrong you know it's there are really hard moments there are really hard days 
but I've never loved anything more. I've never been happier mm. in my whole life um, with any decision I've made, let alone my actual day-to-day life, even though it is definitely the hardest time in my life. And I finally understand what it means when people say that. It's really hard, but you'll love it. And you're like completely contradictory. Doesn't that work. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> doesn't yeah. make any sense. Is, that what, is that what you was most worried about? That you wouldn't be able to almost look after yourself and care hmm. about someone else? Honestly, I mean, <laughs> It just looked a bit shit, guys. Like, you know, you you go for Sunday lunch at a pub and like the worst part of it is like either dogs barking in the in the restaurant area or like babies screaming. Parents keep having to get up and go outside to calm the baby down. Mothers look freaked out. Everyone's staring at them and judging them. And, and, and you know, the, the amount of money it costs, which is still, still such a shock to the system. Yes. Yeah. Um, I know people like, it's expensive. Oh, my God, is it expensive? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and the amount, you know, and how much you really do have to sacrifice. Um, you know, not everything. You know, you can still keep a few things afloat, but you can't you can't have everything, you know, like, no. like you once could. Um, but I... I don't even care. Like, she's just the best thing in the world. <laughs> I just, I don't care at all. Can we go back? Let's jog backwards a little bit to your labor because we yeah. love yeah. a birth story here at Made by Mamas. So talk <laughs> us talk us through it. I love a birth story too. And every time I ask it, Nat, one of our friends, just, yeah. just had twins. Just had twins. She's like, yeah, she, she's like, the last thing I want to do is tell my birth story one more time. And I'm like, oh my God, no, I need to know. I need to know how it went down. <laughs> uh, Bodhi was uh, six days overdue. Um, so she was 14 six and she she didn't want to come out like she just didn't want to come out and basically I was lying in bed about two o'clock in the morning one night and I kept push pushing back they kept talking about induction and I kept pushing back and pushing back um and they basically kind of gave me like a we will do it on this date kind of yeah uh line in the sand and I was like oh I really really hope I go into labor before then and I think this was about two or three days before that date um I don't know why I look back in hindsight now I do know why I understand it but I look back in hindsight now and I'm kind of I shake my head at myself a little bit like she wasn't coming out like and and, and at some point you know you know everybody I think and I know Zoe you can relate to this you really want to have viscerally like it's a visceral instinct inside you you mm. want the most natural childbirth you can have you want the most natural pregnancy you can have even if you know like me you're really pro medical science like you just that it's weird it's an instinct and it takes over I didn't want the induction um and Anyway, I was lying in bed about two o'clock in the morning and I just felt this like pop and my waters are broken. And I loved that because I was like, oh my God, now I know what it feels like. You know, yeah. in the film, so I talk about it. So I was like, yeah, that's great. And I was like, here we go, like lying in bed, like here we go. Now my contractions are going to start. And they just never started. And um, obviously I knew uh, as the hours ticked on, I just knew that, you know, once your waters are broken, you have 24 yeah. hours before you have to go in because of risk of infection. And I just knew that's where it was heading. And I just kept saying to James, okay, like getting mentally prepared for it. Okay, they're going to induce me. You know, as long as it doesn't end in a (laughs) C-section, it's fine. So that was kind of where my head was at. And then I went in and they, they, I didn't realize that with the hormonal drip that they, you also have to have the epidural. It's not a choice because the contractions are so close together that you just don't have any and chance so to get your breath. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so it's not that it's more painful. It's just that it's so much It's so much mm. closer together. It's so intense. You can't really, apparently, you can't really withstand it. So I was like, okay. So they gave me the epidural 
um, which I was livid about. In the end, best thing ever. I didn't, you know what? The one thing about my childbirth was I didn't feel a second of pain. And in hindsight, I'm so grateful for that because when things Mm. didn't go to plan, at least I didn't have any pain, which would have probably traumatized me. And I would be dealing with some post-birth trauma now Um, because it would just, I just think would have been too much for me. So anyway, they gave me the epidural, which I didn't want. So I was pretty pissed off about that. And then I kind of went into this like red mist anger. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) And then they gave me the, the hormonal drip. And I was kind of in and out of, of kind of consciousness all night. This was, this was very late at night. And this it kind of started at midnight and went through to the next morning. And every time my contractions would pick up and, and Bodhi would get further down the birth canal, uh, her heart rate would plummet, which I knew could happen within inductions anyway. But it was really weird. The timing of it was every time I had a big contraction, it would happen. All the alarms would go off. Everyone would come running into the room and turn off all the machines. And the first time it happened was terrifying. The next few times it happened, I was like, okay. And then the last few times it happened, I was like, oh my God, you start to panic. And I was like, oh my God, this isn't going well. And then at eight o'clock in the morning, the obstetrician came in and she said, Bodhi isn't coming out vaginally. It's not going to happen. Like you need to accept it. We need to get you into theatre now. Um, And I want to get her out basically in the next 20 minutes, which she did. Went into into the operating theatre, cried the whole time throughout the whole operation. And all I could think in my head was like, yeah, it was awful. (laughs) All I could think in my head was like, I don't want the first time I meet my baby for them to be holding her above me with some like back backlit hospital lighting like it was just just I was just in hell with it and James is incredible um just held my head and kissed kissed my head the whole time and then (laughs) she opened me up said okay the reason why her heart rate was dropping every time you had a big contraction is because the umbilical cord was wrapped two or three times really tightly around her throat so every time she'd go down, it oh would pull. Yeah. So they, they got her out and she, and, and it was weird. As soon as there was a reason why I was having a really legitimate reason why I was having the C-section, I was happy that I was having it yeah. like that. Yeah. Then they showed her to me and it was the best day of my life. And I would do it all a thousand times a day, every day for the rest of my life, just to have that moment again. And I, again, I'm going to cry. I have, I just still haven't come down. I'm so lucky. I haven't had any baby blues. I haven't experienced yet. I know it's a bit early to say this, but I haven't experienced any tinkling of postnatal depression. And I, and I'm very lucky. And yeah, I, that's, that's my birth story. <laughs> that's amazing. What oh a birth gosh. story. Did you, did you do any of like, cause Georgia made her center into capsules and to, did. Or was it a shape? Did you make it into a shape I, or I capsules? I had a smoothie and capsules <laughs> and I've still got a tincture in the loft for when Gigi has her period. Apparently she puts the tincture <laughs> under her tongue. Stop I have it. got no idea if it works. Not like, absolutely none. But I was the same second time round. I felt like I was on a high and never came down. Yeah, I love that. We're so lucky as well. I feel almost guilty saying that. And we have it's interesting. I was talking to someone, a friend about it the other day. Like I feel like when you have a negative birth story or a negative pregnancy or a negative experience, everybody really embraces it and supports you and is and and the response is lovely and I feel like when you have a really positive experience it's you feel almost guilty sharing it I definitely get some weird kind of kickback on social media people message me and be like you know this isn't the same this isn't everyone's experience and it's really weird like you just kind of don't really want to share the good bits weirdly yeah but then look like you say oh you don't want to share the good bit and you you said oh you know actually parenting looked a bit shit before (laughs) but no wonder because it's so much easier to talk about the hard stuff and I think we talk about the hard stuff because we need to talk about the hard stuff because we need to have the conversation and then it makes it easier whereas that's why when it is good it is a bit trickier to share because you almost feel like I guess 
you feel like you're showing off a bit. Yeah, um, you do. Yeah, and you think people don't want to hear it, but they do. We do want to hear it. We yeah. definitely <laughs> want to hear it. Yeah, we want to hear it. We'll be right back after this short break. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? So you had the C-section, which was you thought was everything that you didn't want. We've never yeah. had C-section. So tell us what it feels like and what is the recovery like afterwards? And do you still bleed? There's a lot of questions there. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, so yes, you do still bleed because obviously <laughs> your oven, <laughs> everything that's in your oven um, still has to come yeah, out, come purge out. itself. So you do still bleed. I, I mean, in terms of that side of things, the, the aftermath is exactly the same. Um Right. So C-section. Here's one thing that I didn't expect and was deeply unpleasant about it. You're on like a decline. So not only are you like like lying with your whole abdomen open and two, two sets of hands rummaging around inside you, you're, all the blood is rushing to your head because you're on a decline. And that was, like I say, deeply unpleasant. And I'm not really yeah. sure why that was the case for me, but that was what they did. Um, do you have... You, you don't feel any pain at all, but you are just constantly rocking back and forth because you've got people pushing and pulling and moving and you're and you're completely numb as well. You know, um, I had obviously the the epidural and and a, like top up of um, of local anesthetic. Um, so you're, you're really, really moving around. Um, and it's it's crazy. Like it's just the weirdest experience for me because it was an emergency C-section. It was deeply psychologically upsetting you didn't see it coming I didn't want it um I had all these visions like every woman does you know of how my birth was going to go and it's so funny because I knew like in my logical brain you know it might not go to plan but you just cry because you you're mourning something that that you're now like now I don't think I'll ever have a vaginal birth you're mourning something that you wanted that you know you now you're never going to get yeah um and yeah, it, it was really, really intense. Um, it, it, the first two days are horrible. Like, obviously, you can't really sit up. You can't lie down. And if you try, it's extremely painful. Um, I tried to not to not take the painkillers as much as possible. And actually, after the first 24 hours, um, I came off them completely because I was... I just wanted to be present with my baby and they make you feel like you're high as a kite and it's very odd. But I, it was weird. It was like, I would like float outside my body and like watch everything that was happening in the room. And I would say to people like, can you tell that I'm not with it? And everyone was like, no, not at all, but I wasn't with it at all. And I just didn't like it. So I came off them after the first 24 hours. Um, but don't be a hero. Anyone listening to it, like if you're in pain, take the painkillers. Yeah. Um, and then 
And then I came home in hospital for two days. Um, and then I was just encouraged to take like short, short daily walks to recover. James is incredible. Again, really had to help sit me up and help me get back down, especially when I was breastfeeding. And he did. And he was amazing. Um, and yeah, I mean, anything you want to know, the specifics, ask me and I'll tell you. <laughs> what about, you know, obviously you're, you're really well known being super fit and working out in the gym. How, how was that for you? You know, having had a C-section, did that play on your mind? How you would then get back into fitness again? Yeah, the first thing I, <laughs> the first thing I said to my obstetrician was like, I don't need to tell you. And she just finished my sentence for me. And she was like, I know. She's like, I know what you do for a living. I know how important it is that you have full yeah. physical function and from a vanity level as well, that you feel comfortable in your own skin. Um, don't worry. She was like, and it would be the same for all my patients. I was very lucky. My obstetrician is known. She's uh, the reason I chose her is because she's known for being the best person um, in in London, really, at emergency C-section. So she got picked for a reason. She knew what that reason was. And I was like, just, you know, help healthy sister out. Um, she did great. I I just knew I take I obviously am fully qualified in what I do and I'm very experienced in what I do and I take it very seriously. I think there's this misconception about any woman who works in health and fitness or physique like me that like, you know, we're like, you know, fitness fanatic rushing to get back to the gym can never not be exercised. It's complete bollocks. Like if you're as qualified as I am, you know how important recovery is um, If in both in short, medium and long run. So I was just very, very prepared to recover properly, which I did. I was back in... Um, with my woman's health physio two weeks after I'd given birth and I'd been seeing her for my whole third trimester. And I, I had a graded return to training um, and I didn't start training. I didn't pick up a weight again until I was 16 weeks postpartum, which was a lot longer than I expected, yeah. but I was not about to rush it. Um, so you just have to do it properly. Whether or not you've had a C-section, the only difference with the C-section and your physical recovery is the the scar, um, the loading of scar tissue. Um, it's it, just think of it like a very weak surface. So if I were to go into the gym and pick up a weight, I might feel like I knew what I was doing and strong enough to do it. Mm -hmm. But you're loading a very weak surface and all you're going to do is prolong your recovery and potentially, um, you know, again, from an aesthetic point of view, mess with with the scar tissue. Yeah. Um, so I just took my time. I was really, really patient and I went to see a physio and, and that's what I would recommend everybody does. Yeah. And we uh, getting a mummy MOT as well, if that's something yeah. that you can do listening, that was the best thing that we did, wasn't it, George? Definitely. Why is it that every time I'm sneezing or jumping or trying to run, you know, that I'm, ha that I'm having issues with leaking? And then it was like, oh, hang on a minute. There's a muscle down there, which I'm not even yeah. working on because I don't even know how to. I thought I was doing it. I was squeezing my bum hole <laughs> or somewhere else down there I don't really know but now I know <laughs> we've spoken about your mental health and you said you know which is so brilliant to hear that actually you haven't had any signs of you know baby blues um George and I have spoken quite honestly about that moment that you stand in front of the mirror after you have the baby um and in hindsight now I wish that I had been able to look at my body and really appreciate what it had done but at the time I find it really hard to talk about. I was really, I found it really difficult to just even take, take, take my gaze to my own eyes in that mirror and, mm. and look at, uh, look at that body that was left there. Um, mm. I wish I'd, I wish I'd thought about it differently. What was your experience around that? Uh, well, first of all, I'll, let's all just be honest here. Yes. <laughs> I know that it's really unfashionable and nobody likes, you know, to, to say it or to hear it because, 
for some reason we've been taught that it's I don't know misguided or or a result of the patriarchy or whatever. Women care about how we look. We just mm. do. And you know you mm. can you can deny it till you can try change it, deny it till you're blue in the face. You're never going to change it. You know we were wearing corsets hundreds of years ago. We care how we look. It's how we're built. It's human nature. And I think it is lovely when when women do have that experience of like. I was just so proud of what my body has yes. done. But that's really, really rare response. Yeah, and I think a lot is. of women who say that are probably lying as well. Like, I think we all or have to Or telling themselves like, that so that they think they'll yeah. then believe it. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't think that that's... And actually, you know, it's perfectly normal if you don't love your cellulite and you don't love your stretch marks. Like, it's okay. And I think, you know, but part of this, we, we need to forgive ourselves for being human. Um, And uh, yeah, so I just wanted to make that point. I struggled and I looked in the mirror I remember vividly looking in the mirror and I struggled with patience so I was very patient with my return to training because I didn't want to do more damage but I struggled with my patience of my body going back to normal visually I just kept Mm. looking in the mirror day after day after day and wondering why two weeks postpartum I still had a pregnant belly and I was like why isn't it going down and even like James totally unintentionally would be like when is it meant to go down? Like, even that question was so triggering for me because I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Like, I, so I was very, very impatient with it. There was definitely a moment in terms of um, internally, I remember I had a moment in the shower where, and this must have been just a bit of, a bit of post-birth trauma, where just the one sentence just flew into my head really strong. Like, I didn't want a C-section and I just burst out crying and I couldn't stop. Yeah, yeah. But that was it. Like that, it came and it went. Um, but imagine, I can imagine now, you know, talk to women about their, 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 post-birth kind of trauma that constantly being the front and center in your head and how Mm. upsetting that would be and distressing that would be so I had a small um brief experience of that um when my body finally started to look more like it did you know before I got pregnant I was fucking thrilled I just wore everything that I could possibly fit back into again because you know you forget (laughs) I love your honesty Chloe yeah I was like here we go right but naked I'm still I'm still impatient and nervous five months later. Like, when is my skin, I mean, is it ever, is my skin ever going to stop this thing, this new jiggle thing it's doing? I don't know. Um, and I'm I'm still a bit impatient. Like, it, I just want to know, it, will it go back to normal? And if so, when? Um, and if the answer is yes or no, I just, you know, it's this limbo period, which is kind of messing with my head a bit. But you guys can tell me that. What does change for good and what does go back to normal? <laughs> or is it different for everyone? What changes for good? Your whole fucking life. <laughs> um, are we talking about that? No. Crinkly skin, I don't think changes. No, I, I don't. No. one thing I just don't think... I mean, it does for some people, I'm sure. I've seen plenty of people on the beach with their kids and they don't have crinkly skin on their stomachs. So maybe for some people it doesn't. In my experience, it hasn't gone away, the crinkly skin. Nor mine. That's the one thing. Yeah. But I think everything else you can control, right, if you want to. Yeah. Well, this is the, this is the thing. And, and I'm much more, I'm much happier mentally. I'm a happier person when I know what the playing field is. Like if I yes. know that that maybe don't expect it, fine. Um but yeah, it's true. And I find this with my clients as well. Like every female body is different and reacts differently to everything. So exactly. you really just never know. Um, talk to us about your relationship um, and how it has been post, you know, having the baby and Bodhi being around and how you guys have adapted. Okay, so this is complicated. 
in terms of how much I like love and appreciate James, I've never loved or appreciated him more. Um, I've never been so grateful to have someone in my life. And he has completely changed in, in my in my opinion, and he might disagree. I feel like he's much more patient and caring with me. And he used to be, I mean, sorry, you know, James, he's, everyone knows. James. Yeah. He's like quite aggressive and has very little time for bullshit, very little patience. And I'll just be honest, not that much compassion. Like he's just not like that. Since having Bodhi, not, not even since then, since I went into labor, that seems to have completely changed, at least for me. <laughs> I'm getting the good side of it now. Um, he's, he's patient, kind, compassionate, caring, um, and, and, and actually putting me in and Bodhi first which again as an athlete he never really was very good at doing you know any yeah. professional athlete will tell you they come first always mm. um so that's been incredible oh getting back into the swing of like a good healthy sex life has been quite difficult and I can't figure out if it's me if it's him or if it's both of us I'm, I'm gonna say it's the latter it's both of us but yeah I just feel like I'm not really in a very sexual headspace right now. And I don't know. Five months postpartum. Of course you're not. But that's fine. Of course you're not. That's fine. I hope it comes back. And I also don't, I don't really think he is either. Like he's not, you know, running around trying to jump me. So I'm just a bit like, (laughs) hopefully it'll go back to normal. (laughs) No, do you know what though? We talk about this a lot. And I think it's really difficult to feel sexy after you've had a day of very a very unsexy day, basically. <laughs> yeah, you've yeah. been changing nappies and you've, you know, been scooping stuff off the floor and just feeling a bit more. How do you suddenly then, your, how does your mind suddenly switch come 7pm? Like, it, it you go, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. And it's even just everything from like the second you wake up in the morning. I mean, I'm breastfeeding and weirdly with that come real night sweats um so like I have night sweats you know I wake up you know my my whole kind of stomach and boob area is covered in sticky milk and I'm I'm exhausted and you know I just from that like that's the start of my day every day and by the time it's like bedtime now it's like all focused around like getting Bodhi having her routine in place so that I can get her down so that she'll fucking stay down for as long as humanly possible yeah and like and then it's like okay and now I can breathe hopefully but you're still kind of on edge you don't know if the baby's gonna wake up so mm. I, there's just yeah. not any point in the day where I feel like mentally or physically free enough to even allow sexuality to come into the picture it's bizarre because I because again Zoe will tell you like and she's the same we're quite sexual people so this is very new for me yeah mate yeah. and also I feel like the six-week checks check up with the doctor just sets you up for a massive failure because they're like there's no conversation around okay you've come in you're okay now to get back onto like normal living six weeks later but they don't have a conversation with you around you know six weeks and then you're supposed to have sex with somebody that might be too soon for you so you know maybe do it when you feel ready and it doesn't have to be penetrative sex it could be all the other ways of that you can connect emotionally physically with your partner there's none of that language going on it's literally like oh yeah you look okay right get on with it and then we're expected to perform yeah. On, a, on a level sexually with our partners and when it doesn't happen there's a bit of a disappointment from them there's a feeling of confusion from us is yeah. it ever going to go back to normal in answer to your question it might not but you you find a different way a different pattern which yeah. is you know equally as rewarding but it's not like yeah there's just no lack of understanding around it yeah. I think 
Exactly. And I think, yeah, it, things do change, but again, they ebb and flow because you go through phases. Like, you're, yeah, you know, yeah. you go through phases where things feel less stressful and you actually feel like yourself and then you might not again because something happens. But I do think, like, especially when you're breastfeeding, mm. I don't know if, I guess, are you overtouched? Like, are you overtouched? Do you feel like you've always got someone on you and you then just feel, I don't know. No. I, I think, I, I don't know if I feel like that now. I'm not, I'm not breastfeeding, but when I've had the kids around me all day, they've not been at school or they've not been in childcare, I just feel like too many people have been touching me and I yeah. don't want to be touched anymore. Yeah. And also yeah. when, like, if Dosa goes down to kiss my, even though I haven't breastfed for like, Four, four and a half years or whatever. If Dorsa goes down to like kiss my boob, I sometimes get like oh, a flash yeah. of the baby. So do I. Oh my god, so do I. <laughs> it's so funny, isn't it? So like, do I. Is he? Is he? Is he hands on? Is he? You know, super involved and changing nappies and up in the night. Mm, yes and no. So, <laughs> so James will always offer and he'll always say like, I, I'll take her tonight. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'm not gonna lie, guys. <laughs> It's not really worth it because what will happen is she'll cry. And if, let's say, she, for whatever reason, she's having a meltdown about God knows what, um, usually just uh, she's so hungry and so tired that she's not feeling properly. And then we're off to the races and then it, the whole thing just spirals as far as. James will probably give it like patience of about half an hour max before he'll wake me up and be like, I can't deal with this. Can you deal with it? And then he's pissed off. He's wound up. I still have a screaming baby. Then I get pissed off with James. I get wound up with James. And then all of a sudden, a situation that could have just been like a singular issue is now like a a triple threat. And it's like a very intense four o'clock in the morning situation. So more often than not, I'm like, thank you for the offer, but I'm going to do it myself. myself. I reckon there's loads of people listening to this podcast currently nodding their heads going, (laughs) yeah, that was me. about. That, that was, was me and Axel. Yeah. I just knew it wasn't worth it, and I and I was happy with that. And that's the thing. Yeah. And if you're happy yeah. with that, then it's fine. You know, it's, it's fine. fine. It worked for yeah. us. It suited me. Um, yeah. No, so I t- I totally get you. <laughs> Before we get onto your products, tell us something that surprised you about being a mother that you didn't expect. Honestly, it's less personal um, and more about James. How how unbelievably meant for it James was. He's just the best, like with her and. I watch him with her and I'm so relieved because, again, I won't lie, in my third trimester, I was a bit like, James booked a DJ gig with Carl Cox. And I understand it's Carl Cox, but he booked a DJ gig with Carl Cox on my due date. Carl Cox, Chloe. I know, I know, but I do know. But it's my due date. I was like, so at that point, I can't lie to you guys. I was lying in bed on my due date while James was out at the net DJing with Carl Cox thinking, well, I've just chosen the wrong person to have a baby with and this is going to be hell. We're going to be divorced within a year. <laughs> and I absolutely hate him. Da, 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 da. Um, and, and, I, and I couldn't have been more wrong, obviously, no. in that moment. He's just the best. And I think that's been the most surprising thing. Love that's that. lovely. Also, love the that. percentage of babies that come on their due date is very low in very his low. defense. Yeah. In yeah, his defense. Yeah, that's what he ca- but that's why I was so pissed <laughs> off with him. Because I quoted it's less than 4% of babies um, in the UK are born on their due date. So then he just kept quoting it back <laughs> to me and like booking in like thing after thing after thing. Like, I don't think there was a period where I don't think he came home for like eight nights straight in that week, like in that due date week. And I was just like, oh my God, oh my God, this is it. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go to jail. Like I, I can't, I can't handle this. Oh it's amazing. Before we finish up, I know you're really prepared, which we absolutely love. What? <laughs> 
<laughs> what is the best piece of advice um, you've been given or that you would give a new mum? Okay, first of all, wake windows are a thing. Your life's going to get a lot easier if you know what your baby's wake window is. So Bodhi's right now is an hour and 45 minutes. And at that point, she's going to start to grumble because she's getting tired. And if I don't get her down for a nap, I'm going to have a horrible day and I'm going to have a horrible night. And I don't know why people don't talk about this, but wake windows, look into it. There's a a woman who's all her stuff I've downloaded called the parent and baby coach, Heidi. She's fantastic. So go look for her if you want help on that kind of thing. You know, I think after the newborn phase, which is so on demand, you know, by the time they get to six, eight, plus weeks you could you can start to really get into a routine if you want to and everyone's different yep. um but she yep. she she's a godsend um and someone said to me the other day and I love this everything is a phase the good the bad the ugly it's all a phase so don't take anything too seriously if, if you're going through a hard time like Bodhi's going, going through her sleep regression right now which is tough it will end and also really really you know indulge in the good moments because they're phases too um and they'll be over one day and I love that and I think that's that served me really well and the last thing I would say <laughs> three pieces of advice I'm a really impatient person and having a child obviously is very testing with that quality mm-hmm. um don't try, just stop trying to rush everything. And this is what I, I actually really learned over Christmas, <laughs> trying so hard to get back to the table while trying to put her down for a nap. Yeah. Don't try to rush everything. Just stop, let it take as long as it's going to take. If it's a feed, if it's getting getting the baby down to sleep, if whatever it is, let it take how long it's going to take. Try and find the beauty in it. Try and find the the, the bonding in it. Yeah. Um, and that would be, for, for me, that's that's really the most, that's the thing I have to think about the most every day. Otherwise, it stresses you out more. It stresses the baby out more. You have a really miserable time of it. I really love that. Love that. Um, and your top products, Georgia said you've been prepared. Apparently yeah. you lay, lay awake and you're hung over state <laughs> last night and was like, I need to think of these products. So you've got them there, piece Looking of paper. Looking forward to these. Okay, but, <laughs> okay, so I've got five and some of them are a bit left to fill. So in pregnancy, I had a, a I got book bought a book called Your Baby Week by Week. And it's yes. written by these like two doctors who have um, like, I think five children between them. Anyway, it's the most brilliant like thing re-preparing you for what it's actually going to be like when you have your baby, like thinking about things that you never would have thought about before. And also just like health and safety stuff, like, you know, get a floating thermometer for the bath. Now I know by touch, but you know, I was terrified the first time yeah. I gave yeah. Bodie a bath. I was going to scold her or what temperature's too hot, you know, and but newborns are so diddy. Like, so that book, honestly, just really mentally prepared me and I still listen to it now. So as a newborn, the Docatot, and I think it used to be called something different. It, what was it? The thing, it's like a little day bed that you put the baby in. Oh, yeah. Oh. So, yeah. It used to be a sleepy head, didn't it? And now sleepy head, yes. But just having, obviously, they can't hold themselves up. You know, just having something comfortable and quite confined to put her in. Oh, the rocket. Do you guys know what the rocket oh, yes, is? yes, I do. What's a rocket? It's a rocket that rocks the pram so that you don't have to. You oh, just yes. put it on. The baby goes to sleep and you're done. And it's like, thank God for the rocket. You can have sit and have lunch and the, oh, rather lovely. than doing this. Uh, oh, the Tommy, t- Tommy Tippy sterilizing machine. It's a little bit spenny, but it's worth it. And the last thing isn't a product. It's more of just like, well, it is because you, you probably have to purchase it. Or maybe you don't. Finding Nemo. I honestly can't begin to tell you something about the colors and the fish 
I for her whole wake window, if I need to, and this is really bad parenting, if I need to just shove her in front of that for an hour and 45 minutes, she will watch it. She's completely enthralled oh. by it. I'm hoping it's kind of good for her sensory because it's yeah. colors and movement yeah, of and course patterns. It is. I'd say so. Yeah. So I'm like, please be kind of okay. Um, Finding Nemo was, is literally the only thing she'll watch. And I, I, it's got something to do, like I say, with, with the with the colors and the, the movement of it. And if it's just a godsend. If you want to shower or you actually have to do some emails, I can't. It's my top tip. Amazing. I love it. Do you know what? They still love it now. They still, yeah. We watched it in Kenya on the roof. They're, they're obsessed with it now. And my mum's nickname is Dory. So we talk about we talk about Finding Nemo a lot because she's so forgetful, my mum. I love that. And Finding <laughs> Dory, by the way, which Bodhi no. weirdly doesn't do the same thing for Not her into. as Nemo. Oh, just no. exclusively Finding Nemo. Exclusively <laughs> Nemo. But Finding Dory is one of the funniest films I've ever seen. So everyone should watch that. Brilliant. Love it. Real. Thank you. Amazing. <laughs> Chloe, great. what an absolute lovely, amazing hour that we've just had with you. Um, thank you for oh. being so honest as always and um you you are smashing it so don't worry about anything that anyone else is saying like in terms of is this a good film yes it is put it on <laughs> get your wake window. so back to yourself oh i love it thank you guys so much this is this is the first podcast i've done on being a mum. actually yes. it's very enjoyable Yay. 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 thank you so much <laughs> see you soon thank Thanks, you guys bye. oh loved it what a chat that was really loved it i'm like we covered so much mother-daughter relationships fitness birth oh, I mean god everything brilliant what I really loved hearing from her and I also heard her fear around saying how much she loves being a mum and at mm. the moment that she saw Bodhi even though Bodhi you know came into this world in a way that she didn't want in the, in that in that guise you know having the emergency c-section she was like the minute that I laid eyes on her you know she hasn't had an ounce of baby booze yet she's really loved every oh, no. moment of it that unconditional love um Knowing her personally, that made me feel quite emotional because, as I said before, she just she did, she wasn't particularly maternal. Neither was neither mm. was I, and I probably yeah. said the same thing. But until you hold your baby, you don't really know how you're ever going to feel. No, and I think as well, it just goes to show, doesn't it? Because you know, so many people have this plan and how they want it to be, and actually, sometimes, obviously, it doesn't go to plan, but it doesn't mean it won't be amazing. Yeah. It still might be amazing and it still yeah. might work out exactly better than you could have ever imagined. Yeah. Um, and it, it was really, yeah, really lovely to hear that from her. And also, I think it's really great when people speak so openly about perhaps not wanting a family. That's actually the like the fastest growing like demographic is women just who are who are deciding not to have children. So there are so many people, mm. you know, it in that mindset at the moment I loved hearing her George say I don't know if you felt this as well but I loved hearing her say like it's okay if you don't love your wobbly bits and it's okay if you mm. don't love your cellulite like I got I got such a horrible message yesterday on Instagram I was doing a QA and a on my own personal page and someone was asking me about my training like my, my, my food I don't comment on because I, I'm not a nutritionist and I wouldn't like to give people advice on what I'm eating and all that kind of stuff but with the training and stuff I just fill people in on what I'm doing I got this message from somebody saying yeah, and you're still, every single day you're trying to achieve a calorie deficit. You're cl clearly still anorexic and it's written all over your smug fucking face. That's the message that I got in yesterday. And I don't ever really tend to get trolled. But what I took from it was that it's, some people don't like when other people are fit and healthy and want to train and want to exercise and want to talk about it. And so mm. the way that they deal with it is by trying to put them down. Yeah. And I really don't think that that's fair. Like if you, if you, you know, lo love the skin you're in, whatever that skin looks like, love it. 
I, I love it and I'm proud of it, but I, mm. I work hard and I train hard and that's okay. I'm not trying to be smug about it and I'm definitely still not anorexic, so fuck you whoever Back said off. that no and I think that's really important as well because there is a trend um, you know at the moment to you know see you know if you count calories you're crazy and if you work out and you don't really feel like it and you're, you you feel like you should do then you you know then that's really bad mm. but actually I mean I'm definitely not at a stage where I could say oh you know I'll just just do whatever I want and then I'll just love my body that is just not where I'm at and, no. I, and, I, and I don't actually know anyone who is none of my friends that I talk to would would say that they don't care how they look and they'll just love their body for how it is now maybe that is societal pressure maybe that is the way that we've grown up who knows what it is but the so many of us don't okay feel like care. that and you can okay yeah you can care. feel like mm. shameful um I, I do feel better when I've you know tri- trimmed down a bit and toned up I do I do feel better I do feel happier and that is just the way it is um whether that's wrong or right who knows but but I, I love that um Chloe could openly say and not be a you know she's not apologetic about it yeah and that's I love just the way she is from different people from different different walks of life you have different feelings around their own body you know mm. the shame just needs to go like yeah however you choose to live your life whether you choose to live your life not caring I mean how wonderful not caring how you look in the mirror and it doesn't matter to you whether you're this size or that size or whether you're wobbly or toned or whatever it doesn't matter how wonderful great but then don't shame people who don't feel like that like mm. don't it, it I don't know. Just, <laughs> this is a conversation for another time, Georgia. It is. Oh, I'm not taking this on today. <laughs> yeah. um, no, massive thank you to Chloe for coming on, opening up such brilliant um, topics of conversation. We love it. And thank you so much for listening. Um, it feels like the first day of, even though we had a podcast last week, um, yeah. it sort of first feels like term. Ev- first day of term, everyone's back. Um, so thank you for listening. As always, we'd love you to rate, review, subscribe, and give the podcast a little follow. Yeah, and any feedback on this episode or any others that you've listened to guests you'd like to hear from topics you'd like us to cover then please do drop us a dm we're on at made by mamas on instagram and we'll be back on friday made by mamas is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely charlotte mason insanity group flexibility is great that's why there's yoga Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.